Good day fellow investors, time for an oil update and the situation in oil is getting very very interesting. In the past I have been pretty prescient in these oil cycles and I have updated always correctly so you might have enjoyed the buys, the riskier attitudes there and as I'm long natural gas oil I'm really looking into the sector to see what are the risks, what are the rewards and what are the long-term balances there in supply and demand and of course how that reflects the oil price because after oil because after all it is all about oil prices when it comes to oil stocks so we have discussed seven months ago how royal dutch shell was a buy suncor was a buy i didn't really like that much exxon because of the legacy issues there so we'll discuss that too but let's start with a big deep dive into oil stocks i have found some great presentation summaries from Acker that summarizes the whole picture from the research reports, from agencies, from companies, from other government organizations. So a lot, a lot to dig into that will give you a clearer perspective on oil and we'll finish with the valuation of Chevron and Lukoil that will give you a perspective also on where we are and what are the risks and rewards when investing. If you enjoyed this video, if you get value, smash that like button and consider subscribing. So the oil environment is getting very very interesting. Priorly we have had these cycles and these cycles were dependent on supply and demand. Higher prices, let's pump on the shale, let's invest more, more supply, oversupply, low prices and those prices were going up and down all the time. Now things are changing especially after the last 12 months the sector, the environment, the sentiment has changed. Why? Because we have on one hand such a strong powerful sentiment developing from electrification, sustainability etc. and that is impacting pension funds which are the owners of oil stocks usually and pension funds are saying we have to lower the investments in oil, we have to be let's say more cautious, less investing in CO2 emissions and they are saying yes we'll have electric cars so the need for oil will be lower so they have really trimmed the investments. On the other hand real life is going on in Asia, in Africa, all around the world EVs are still small so we'll, we might see a big discrepancy in oil prices in a few years, short, mid-term, even longer term, which will bode extremely well for oil and oil-related stocks. So very interesting scenario there where the big guys are not investing, which means potential undersupply, which means huge spikes in oil. oil. So that's the sentiment. Let's dig into the numbers. Just an example, this is New Delhi. This is the electrical grid over India but researchers in New York on their iPhones driving a Tesla think that electrification is the future and there is no need for oil, no need for investments, no growth etc. So that's very very interesting to dig into for investing. Also negative sentiment, free Exxon refineries top the US list of 
polluters, so that's also not something you want to hear, which means even less money, less investments. But less investments usually in the cycle mean higher prices, higher margins and fatter dividends. Now let's discuss the situation and we see that over the last 20 years global oil demand was pretty strong, 1.5% annual growth, a dip during the recession, a big dip now due to COVID, recovery is expected and then continuing still growing at 0.4% annual growth. This is the IEA projection. So we have different scenarios when it comes to oil. We are now at 100 million barrels per day. So will it peak now? Has it peaked in 2019? Will it peak in 2025? Or will oil peak in 2035? And we have to see how the stocks are priced, if it already peaked, so declining demand going forward, if it peaks in 2025-2030, or if oil demand only peaks in 2040. Those are huge differences and we'll see the scenarios later. And of course, the key when it comes to investing is not whether oil demand will go up or down. The key is finding where will the balance of supply and demand be. If there is demand going down, let's say, but production going even lower, then it will be a great place to invest. One example is one of the best investments over the last 30 years, Philip Morris with tobacco. Negative trend improving investment returns. Very interesting to think about. If we look at global oil demand and if you move out from New York and you look at the rest of the world, we still see how global oil demand will likely grow as the population hits 10 billion in 2050. So another, what's that, 30% higher as these countries develop and increase the number and increase demand for oil because we have seen how the grids look there and therefore we might see still positivity for oil down the road. Plus, if we talk about electrical vehicles, vehicles in general, cars, make just around 20% of oil demand. So even if by 2030 we have 50% of new cars being electrical, 50% still demand for oil would go down just 2 billion million barrels per day. So just 2%. Even if we have 50% electrical vehicles globally, not in Norway, New York, California or Netherlands. So that's one vision of the world. And then we have the rest of the world, Latin America, etc, etc. Also, about 70% of oil is not burned, so that's also something that goes into even the electrical cars produced, so a lot of products there. And then oil demand growth is still expected for trucks, petrochemicals, aviation, as long as there is growth there, you can't do without oil, no matter your electrical power. And if we summarize things, there is no peak in oil demand expected during the current decade. There is simply not the technology there. After 2030, then we can expect especially road oil demand to start declining, but still we go above 100 million barrels per day and then we go lower. Long, long term, 
oil market share to drop significantly, especially for cars, but still some other uses of oil might be very, very positive. And this is perhaps the key when it comes to investing. You have the US, which is in population 4.3% of the world. Add another Europe there, we are to 10% of the world. But users of oil are also the rest of the world. China, of course, strong with electrical vehicles, but still strong demand for oil there. And as this grows globally, so we have to have a global perspective on oil supply and demand. Further, if we look at East Africa, Asia Pacific, net oil imports and the need, the need is getting bigger and bigger. And look at this, this is 35 to 40 million barrels per day. That's almost 40% of global demand. So this is the focus, no matter how high we think of ourselves, <laughs> it's somebody else that drives the demand for oil and thus the prices. Then if you look at global vehicle sales, again, it's Asia that matters, what they buy in Asia. So Europe, USA, okay, but more cars are sold than in China and for following in Asia. So they drive what will be used in the world. And no matter how strong electrical vehicles are, how strong you see the trend now, this is how even China automobile sales are still driven by internal combustion engines, US motor vehicle sales, market share. So again, just plug-in hybrids and BEV are really, really small. And perhaps the most important thing is here, the share in SUVs that's exploding because you need a tank to drive your kids to school, of course, not EVs. We have seen some positive developments, especially in Germany for electric vehicle sales, but We'll see how much will Germans love not be being able to drive 200 kilometers per hour on the Autobahn. Even if the best scenario with electrical vehicles develops, still the majority of vehicles across the world will be oil dr driven because the scrap rate is there. Your car lasts 20 years on average. So the car that you bought last year will still be driving somewhere around the world 10, 15, 20 years from now, likely. I'm still driving my 11-year-old car, 10-year-old car. So unlikely that I will exchange it now for something electrical because it's simple. Okay, it's not a value investing thing to do, but it is unlikely and it will take time. Things will not change like this, which is very important when creating those models and scenarios also for stock valuations. As we already shown, this is the grid around the world. So very complex to electrify things. And what kind of cars will these guys buy? Well, we'll see. Also, SUVization is really impacting the world and this is reality. This is the going to school reality. Of course, as said, you need a tank to drive your kids to school. Perhaps these ladies are a little bit more ecological or they park their tank down the street. Because if you don't drive your kids in a tank to school, then uh, it's simply isn't okay. So you need something like 
this to even go to get your COVID shot. So all, all big cars and this is reality. And short term US demand could set new highs on a COVID recovery, on wanting to get out of your home and travel a little bit, see your family. So that's very, very interesting despite all the electrical vehicle mumbo jumbo. And now we go on the supply side. US shale activity is on the way up but with each shock to the industry the growth is smaller and smaller because these companies if you look at the profitability have never been free cash flow profitable so these guys really need much higher prices to do things plus the debt burdens are really really big and piling up so you can't really push production higher and higher really fast. And all the agencies and the consultancies and banks and companies are predicting a massive demand catch up in 2021, which bodes well for oil prices, oil stocks consequently. But if we look at the long term, some people see a peak this decade, but most predict the next decade to peak. Of course, if we got to net zero if we go to net zero by 2050 then oil will really really go down but reality is more closer that we stick to these levels over the next 10 years and then we'll see how the decline will be so nobody actually knows what the real scenario will be there there are positive trends so fuel efficiency fuel switching but then behavior going down but we now see less public transport due to covid so that's also a negative low fleet turnover so you will keep your car longer because you're working from home so you don't need to use it every day there are also assumptions you have to think okay if we go all electric what does that assume what does that include in the assumptions so if by 2030 electric cars account for 64 percent of new car sales new car sales so that's very unlikely but to do that really really we have to make uh, solar plants on a daily basis the size of the largest solar plants in the world, largest wind plants and the assumption is also that global aviation will not grow anymore. And just an example here from Rio Tinto, they have a big big mine for lithium in Serbia, in Yadar and Yes, it's a great mine, it's really, really interesting, great resource, but still, they have already invested more than 200 million and the project is on schedule, but to produce 55 kilotons of battery-grade lithium by 2025 at best, at best. So, really, this is reality and there is then the assumptions that somebody makes in their office but they have to go to the field and of course assumptions are going lower for the mar marginal barrel of oil over time have declined but we are still at 70 80 dollars per barrel to justify investments to justify just balancing the even negative oil scenario supply and demand with 80 
oil at 80, a lot of oil companies make a lot of money. So even if the in the most sustainable scenario, oil doesn't go to zero, but sticks around 65 over the next decade, and then it declines, but still, it is a good price, we'll see later in the valuations. And then long-term oil forecasts at net zero, as Catherine Wood says it, we'll see oil prices going down, down, and down, but then that's one vision. And then there is reality, 55, 60, but even higher to justify the this balance between supply and demand. And if we look at what's going on, most of the spare capacity in the shorter term will be consumed by 2020. Shale oil will add something, but we need higher prices to raise capital expenditures because capital expenditures are really, really going down and production will be lower and we'll see where we'll find the money to justify. No matter what trend you are looking at, if things don't improve on the investment side, supply of oil will fall 50% by a few years, and then you have extremely high prices based on demand. And companies have started declining then capital investments because those they have a lot of debt, and because it's not cool to invest in oil, even oil companies are now investing in renewables. But by doing that, they are really, really lowering future supply of oil and thus increasing future prices, which makes things very, very interesting. So look at the declines in capital investments announced for 2021. And this is something that will reflect into prices down the road. So just the change for COVID capex will lower supply by 2%, which is the effect of electrical vehicles in 2030, not 20. 25. And in the US, even if there is no oil growth demand, then even shale has to produce more and more oil. But we have seen the companies are not spending the money necessary to produce because the level of liabilities is high. So they have to start thinking about dividends, etc. And only way to increase production is higher prices, higher prices, higher stock prices, good oil investments. Also, production outside the OPEC Russia, OPEC Russia USA is declining, so they will have to invest more or import more. And these guys are not really affected by CO2 emissions. They care about getting to where they have to get, certainly not charging a Tesla. And if we look at the long-term balances, we see a big short-term drop. And then long-term, more demand versus supply in the current scenario. So even in the positive scenario. But as we have seen, we are still in an oil world. Plus there can be shocks that can hit the world all the time. That's nothing new. And inventories are down. If we have a COVID recovery, if we start traveling again, things will get very, very interesting for oil. And let's look a little bit about stocks. I've discussed Chevron and Lukoil a few months ago in a video. And let's just update things there a little bit. Continued capital discipline for Chevron. So less capex, hopefully higher dividend on higher 
oil prices, free cash flows, 3 billion already in the first quarter. So on these prices, they will get to 12 billion. So let's make a valuation on our publicly, free publicly downloadable intrinsic table. You can download it in my research platform. The link is in the description below. This is for free. Check my premium one on my stock market research platform if you are interested in my premium research with much more interesting propositions. But let's go to Chevron. I have put 10 billion valuation for dividends, 3% growth rate, 0% growth rate down the road, 10% expected return, multiple of 5% dividend yield, and the valuation is 157 billion. If I compare it to the current market cap of 200 billion, so Chevron is, let's say, a little bit overvalued for a 10% return. However, if you're looking for a lower return, let's say 7%, then Chevron is fairly valued. However, I don't know how will Chevron look like in 2030 when and if oil starts to really decline. So you have to always think about the long-term balance it with the short term that might look really really well and the market is always focused on the short term so if oil prices go up even in the negative long-term trend you can make some money on these stocks that's why i prefer natural gas because the upside long term is much more positive look oil also gave earnings recently and look at the cash flows there also doubled so this is free cash flow of around $2 billion for Q1. If I put that into my valuation table, I have said around $5 billion in dividends for Lukoil, then on the same assumption as Chevron. But if I give it $2 billion per quarter, if they push it to, let's say, $7 billion, over the year for dividends and then oil prices stay higher with no growth it all depends on the terminal multiple terminal multiple for russian stocks is a little bit lower but we are still at 94 billion compared to the market capitalization of 56 billion look oil is undervalued from that perspective and if we look at what undervaluation means you see here how Russian companies were cheaper and slowly and steadily are outperforming this top is Lukoil, we have Chevron and then we have Exxon. If you follow this channel for a long time, you know I've never been positive on Exxon. So I'm looking at this and thinking the environment for oil and gas might stay strong for another year, two years, three years. So the negative sentiment is really changing the way people behave, the way people invest, and the way the capital flows goes into the companies, which means they are lowering investments, lowering investments, less supply, ongoing demand, boom, you have a super cycle in the making. So that's what I'm watching. We'll look at this COVID resurgence, how it resurgence, how it will be over time. So very, very interesting for now. I will not change much in my portfolio. I'll look at Lukoil a little bit deeper, maybe for my large portfolio. So that's my conclusion after looking. I'm looking around. Yes, my mother bought an EV. The company bought it, but that's more like, I think, greenwashing. Let's buy these EVs, etc. in the Netherlands, of course. 
but globally we are still far far from that zero co2 net emissions unfortunately i'm all for ecology or for health but i'm not for greenwashing i'm against that so you can do a lot of things other than going for an ev that pollutes somewhere else in Norilsk nickel for the battery or something like that so i hope you enjoyed this video on oil check my stock market research platform review if you're interested in more deeper dives and really how we put this sector analysis onto bottom up looking for great businesses